This episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title, The Last Good Night by Kat Martin. A thrilling new suspense novel from the best-selling author of The Perfect Murder that fans of Jane Ann Krentz and Laura Griffin won't want to miss. A cold case is heating up, and with another body turning up, one woman is hot on the trail of a killer, with the help of the rancher who hired her to deliver justice. Well, this sounds like a cozy winter read, the perfect thing to curl up with before bed. And it has 4.1 out of 5 stars, averaged on Goodreads with about 300 reviews already. You can find The Last Good Night by Kat Martin wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. Welcome to Feminist Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting fire hose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we begin by venting about the news, go deep on one important issue, call up terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, remind each mindy if you're enjoying us, uh, and you're on social media, why not merge the two, you know? We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. You can go to, you know, shoot us an email. You can do all kinds of things. You can recommend us to your friends, to your family, to your colleagues, to your, your local barista, whatever. Ooh, yeah. You know, whatever you think. Whatever you think's appropriate. Tell people about us. Tell them. <laughs> Tell them. <laughs> Tell them. <laughs> Tell them about us. Spread the word. This is our first. uh, Oh yeah, write, write, and review us. (laughs) Five stars. However many you think, because it's less than five stars. I don't know. Why are you here? (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, this is our first uh, non-author interview epi in a while. We had a lot of. Well, I don't want to speak for us both, but we had a lot of uh, fun interviewing different authors and reading books yeah. <laughs> it was yeah we're going to do you know more interviews in the future um but we had a lot in a row because of the miami book fair yeah um so yeah it seems like people people enjoyed uh it <laughs> we sure did um and i haven't read a book since but i have decided <laughs> i'm going to read more so check back in on that <laughs> yeah exactly we'll like we'll circle back to that uh yeah that was it was so fun and it was funny um we you and I were texting about like wow uh yeah I really do like reading and this reminds <laughs> me I like books uh, <laughs> I like book yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah and the interviews were all very different and it was just Uh like, it was cool to be doing memoirs and novels and um, just like just a range of different women with different experiences, having like really kind of exciting and insightful things to say about the world. Yeah. Um, It was really neat. It was a really, really great group. Really good for us. Good for us. (laughs) Pat on the back. We did it. We read book and then we talked to lady. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, if you are just tuning back in because you, uh, I don't know. Didn't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Then you should read more. Yeah. Like we do now. (laughs) We're now literate and Mm -hmm. very exciting. 
yeah, so that was wonderful. But I'm also very happy to be back in our in our regular regularly scheduled programming. There's been mm-hmm. so much crap going on and like I mean, even the fact that we're recording right after, you know, election day and massive yeah. defeat for Democrats mm-hmm. across the board, lol. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um specifically virginia just losing the governor's race over what it seems like is you know white grievance politics of uh the boogeyman of critical race theory apparently was enough i to- <laughs> can't with this critical race theory one of my we sees has to do with it actually oh good 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 because yeah i woke up in a rage as i'm sh- as my my boyfriend can attest to just because it's just like this is bullshit and i'm already i mean i know i was exhausted by the conversation like a year ago when critical race theory you know was is the new thing um to the new boogeyman um and now it's just like become a totally different beast um in terms of like a conversation that is used to just like drum up hysteria um Mm -hmm. and white women specifically were like swung by I don't remember exactly the amount of percentage points in Virginia but like significantly flocked to the Republican vote this year which is just as white women goddamn we have to do better always disappointing <laughs> always always yeah <laughs> just oh my gosh just love hiding under that cloak of white privilege you know yeah Mm. Voting against our own interests with regularity. Ooh, oh, such regularity. Depressing as fuck. It is. Be better, please. Be best. Be- <laughs> to invoke God. a real humdinger. What's she been up to? I don't know. I, don't. I haven't checked on her lately. I don't know. I... <laughs> um, another thing that we're not going to talk about today, but like... <laughs> That happened that was this week that I was just thinking like, Jesus Christ, like, why do I feel sad all the time? Oh, um, you know, we heard, or this, we, (laughs) we, including me on the Supreme Court, uh, the Supreme Court heard the oral arguments for uh, the challenge to the Texas ban on um, abortions after six weeks. Uh, And that was... A frustrating, frustrating oral arguments to hear. I didn't listen to all of them, but I listened to some of it enough to hear Atlanta Kagan, Justice Kagan, rip the uh, attorney for Texas, a new one, politely, but like. Ooh, I love a polite asshole ripping. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, those are just like little teasers of like other things I'm sure we'll get to in a different topic. In Ohio and their... Uh bill to ban all abortion in ohio it's like a copycat of the texas bill except it, it instead of six weeks it's just like all for everyone so lots of lots of stuff in the pipeline yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. kyle rittenhouse oh shit. yep another thing we're not going to talk about what we're feeling feelings about <laughs> we're going to get to it <laughs> yeah i almost did that Ooh. as a vcu like the situation they're uh bad bad news bears bad quite (laughs) yeah it's so interesting what words judges will allow and like what they think is appropriate um 
but I think the thing that I found most disgusting just quickly was, uh, <laughs> or maybe not most, cause I don't think I've, I've actually read or watched enough of those proceedings to have like a ranking list, but I was particularly disgusted with the judge saying that the protesters who Kyle Rittenhouse shot and killed, it was not accurate to call them victims. It was more accurate to call them like ar- arsonists or, like mob you know something else that was like but they died so definitionally you don't see that as 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 being a victim of a of a crime them being dead yeah i feel really good about this judge yeah yeah so god and he's i hate his stupid little fucking smug face kyle right now yeah privileged little shit bag oh fuck my kid anyway yeah (laughs) for another time you know another time another time just had to just had to throw it out there yeah i'm glad you did yeah 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 yeah. all Mm. right shall we get into our uh previously discussed topic well we didn't discuss the (laughs) content of these topics together but we discussed what we were going to talk about yeah not the things we just didn't talk about but the things we're gonna talk about (laughs) not the things that we just talked about not talking about but the things that we're go we discussed uh, talking about yes if we're all on the same page we'll go ahead and proceed (laughs) Um, first up to bat uh bad art friend which you we were discussing what we were going to discuss (laughs) (laughs) i had not heard of this yet because i had not been part of the planet for a hot minute and i was like what is this sorcery um oh it's a rabbit hole y'all um it's got (laughs) webs and weaves and uh there's like an hour-long thing you can listen to to get all the background on was it new york times new york post Mm -hmm. new york times yeah um and then I'll give you a good background. Well, I guess we can try. We'll have to try to sum summarize it quickly so we can right. talk about it, which is tough. Um, <laughs> all right, Don Dorland is a writer. Sonia Larson is a writer. Don Dorland um, donated one of her kidneys to a stranger, which is like a super nice thing to do. Um, I had thought I thought about doing it, but then was like, but what if I need it? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or what yeah. If, like someone I know personally needs it, um, mm-hmm. so I didn't do that uh, generous act like Don Norland did, which is a wonderful thing to do. Great, she made this Facebook group um, that she invited what she considered close friends to. Um, she included like a disclaimer, like, "Hey, if you don't want to be part of this group, you don't have to join, don't have to engage with it. You know, live your life." And she just like talked about her experience of donating her kidney um there was you know a specific thing she posted like a letter to a the final recipient on the the kidney donation chain and it was like it it was cringy in my opinion um I hate I mean what she did was so wonderful but it just was like kind of a little it felt just a little extra like you should we'll get into our feelings about it she wrote she wrote a letter Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and anywho this is where sonia larson comes in who knew dawn dorlin from a writer's workshop um dawn considered sonia a friend sonia didn't really consider dawn a friend 
Sonia um, was a more uh, successful writer at the time. She wrote a short story um, tying in like white saviorism and organ uh, donation um, about this this white woman <laughs> who donates her kidney <laughs> um, to this woman of color. Uh, Sonia is a woman of color herself, and uh, the white woman in the story is quite cringe, cringe. She uses not in the final version, but in the first version, pretty much a verbatim version of the letter that Dawn writes, mm-hmm. uh, the cringy one I referenced, um, and. Sonia reaches out to Dom or Dom reaches out to Sonia and is like why haven't you this is before she knows about the the kidney story and she's like I'm wondering why you haven't like you know engaged with did you know I I donated my kidney why haven't you engaged with my kidney page you know and then Sonia's like yeah that's great it's great donating your kidney um and uh what else happens god there's so many things um then Don learns about the story that Sonia writes and reaches out to her and Sonia's basically like, yeah still working on it um and there's a back and forth and Sonia's not super isn't really engaging with Don the way Don wants to be engaged with um feels a little rejecty um uh, does not disclose that Don is the is basically who the story is about not not really but really and then um finally dawn reads she reads a story like a year or two after it comes out and is like this is fucked up um and lawsuits start happening um counter lawsuits then these like group texts and emails are released where sonia larson and her writer friends are like gossiping about and basically talking shit about Don Dorland. Um, so a lot of shit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot of shit. And then a lot of questions, you know, or, or a lot of themes come up from this, um, you know, uh, this tale about friendship and plagiarism and all kinds of things. Uh, where to begin yeah no that is a good summary of a totally hard to summarize there's a lot of there's a reason the New York Times thing's an hour long right right the story itself is an hour long read or listen Um, it's Mm -hmm. detailed and the author it doesn't I mean he he must have he did a great job at telling the story but you really do go back and forth about where, who you think is in the wrong or like how you feel, or I can't, don't speak for, I don't want to speak for you, but the way that he tells the story, your allegiance sort of changes throughout, throughout. Although for me, I think that, and it's interesting to see the writing community sort of bat this around the idea of plagiarism and what was, what was plagiarism? Is there a real case there? Or was she just taking something that was sort of, like on Facebook and like writers take from other people's experiences all the time and then create things out of it. But I, I mean, they both seem like pretty unappealing people that I wouldn't want to be friends with. Yeah. Um, but Sonia Larson is the one who was, who, who I, I think the plagiarism case is pretty strong considering that 
she was what kind of sucked was like she's gaslighting Dawn, who's just wants to be obviously like accepted by her and acknowledged. And like the acceptance and the acknowledgement, I think, would have gone a long way towards her not feeling like she was both gaslit and demeaned and like the release of the text message threads through discovery through all these lawsuits like it just seems to validate like Don's feeling the whole time and it's the type of thing that I think a lot I'm sure people feel like am I being talked about you know Am I being, it's like your people's biggest fear is like, is everyone talking about me behind my back? And I think in a lot of cases, the answer is like, no, you're, you know, no. But in Dawn's case, she was 100% right. Like they were talking about her and ridiculing her and excluding Mm her. And they had all seen her story. And not only that, but they were profiting. They profited off. She, Sonia profited off of it professionally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't come away wanting to go on like a girl's trip with either one of them. Um, <laughs> but so it's like in the beginning, so, cause so it is important <laughs> if you, according to research, if you do donate an organ, and you talk about it publicly, it's good. It genuinely does like raise awareness and leads to more people doing it. Um, Mm. So I don't have an issue with Dawn having spoken about it. I get, I mean, if I were her friend, well, if I were, if I were her acquaintance and I saw the way she was posting about it and there was a text thread about it, I might Mm. be kind of a petty asshole in that text thread too. (laughs) right um I would hope not to the extent I mean it was pretty fucking mean Um, (laughs) but it's especially when you ask the question what did Don do to any of these women but anyway yeah and it's just like and the thing is yeah Don didn't seem to have done anything wrong it was just her behavior just seemed a little cringy because she was just sort of there was a sort of like I'm a savior element to it Mm -hmm. um but I mean, she donated her kit. That's a pretty fucking awesome thing to do. Mm-hmm. She's definitely not a bad or a shitty or a malicious person. It seems like her heart's in the right place. Um, it was just, you know, and it was sad because Dawn really thought her and Sonia were like buddies. Mm-hmm. And Sonia was like, I don't know her. You know, like <laughs> we've never been alone in a room together. It was literally like in like a lawyer's thing about like how they're not friends. Yeah. Um, and so it's like by the end, it's like at the beginning, I was like, Ugh, Dawn, you're, you're a bit annoying. And then towards the end, I'm like, I feel quite bad for you. Um, yes. Because she seems like a good person who's just, who wanted validation and affirmation mm-hmm. from people who were like being kind of, kind of cold and whatever to her face and being really mean behind her back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just maybe and then she saw it like you don't usually see those yeah <laughs> your mind creates the shit people are talking about you but you don't usually see pages of emails <laughs> about it and I'm sure they feel I'm sure at least some of them feel probably feel pretty bad about it because mm-hmm. at the same time you don't expect when you're venting about someone that they're gonna read it right you know <laughs> fully front, you know front to back but then it's like then I got irritated with um 
And then of course with Sonia, I was like, yeah, you you gaslit her. You were acting like the story wasn't really about her. You were just like, oh, I heard about a kidney donation and I got my creative juices flowing when I need to tell my neighbor if I saw him planting flowers and that inspired a story about flowers. No, it's like quite different because you also like in these group emails, it's discovered that like she was the inspiration for the character and the original draft, her name was fucking Dawn. Yeah. Um, Like, like it was very much based off of her. And like, I do, I do get why everyone's like plagiarism because she literally took her letter from Facebook Mm -hmm. and put it in there. I do. I, for me, when I, and so I think it is technically plagiarism, but when I think about like artistic plagiarism, I think more of like idea theft as well. And it's like, she, mm-hmm. she crafted the whole story, you know, and she crafted like the creative part of it. It's just this letter, which mm-hmm. she shouldn't have taken verbatim um, from her. But to me, it's not as, I don't know. I just feel like it's not, it's shitty in a different way because <laughs> mm-hmm. poor Tom, but yeah. it's, like creatively, I don't think that is on par with like stealing someone's story, you know, right. and creating that, like acting like that's your own. Um, so I wasn't as like angry about the plagiarism part as like, a lot of Twitter was, um, mm-hmm. just because of sort of my perception of <laughs> of that. Um, but then when like Dawn just went like scorched earth. With, yeah. like, the lawsuits, including, um, like, I'm trying to find my notes. There was, like, an organization that was putting on an event that had invited Sonia, and she basically mm-hmm. forced them out of the entire event. And they had no idea that there right. was any wrongdoing going into it, or she was going to sue them for money they didn't have. So that's, like, she, she was going after Sonia's whole career. Like, mm-hmm. she just... And then I go from feeling bad for her to feeling like, all right, well, now you're just being kind of a petty asshole trying to destroy right. Sonia's life completely. And all these organizations that have nothing to do with this. Right. A lot of which don't have a lot of funding and you just want to take them down because you feel wronged. Um, and the amount of, I mean, you can't monetize how good it was for Sonia's career when the short story came out, because it was put up in, you know, in some prestigious publications and things, but she only made like 400 bucks off of it. Right. right. And like, how much money are they spending suing each other? And now like, this is what they're going to be known for, which is like them at what I'm hoping are some of their worst moments. Um, right. It's just like, no one wins here. No. No one wins. Like they both did wrong. And like at, in the beginning, I was like in, in chronologically, I feel like Sonia was in the wrong initially. And then mm-hmm. and then Dawn, like coming after these these smaller organizations and trying to just kind of destroy Sonia's entire career. Right. <sighs> like, OK, y'all. <sighs> but it could have I mean, if Sonia had been up front from the beginning, you know, it's just it's just messy as hell. And. I just don't think either of them come out looking great. 
no. And they take down a whole bunch of other writers in the, you know, not really fully, but like, I mean, Celeste Ng was, is the author oh, yeah. of Little Fires Everywhere. She was in that caddy group thread participating. Yeah. <laughs> On like Goodreads or whatever, they made her like top quote was like upvoted as being like, it was something like. Oh, that's. I'll have to look at I that. didn't even see that that's uh but that's such a good point that you made too though about the nature of plagiarism because I think that <laughs> I mean part of what was so offensive to me was like the lack of creativity like if you're just copying and pasting a Facebook note like how easy is it for you to change just a few details to make it so that like legally it wouldn't hold up you know someone would say okay it like resembled that and you obviously were inspired like in a friend circle they could be like obviously she was inspired by this person but like as an artist wouldn't you want to at least like have plausible deniability like never name it dawn you know copy paste and change some of the words and maybe change it so that it's not a kidney donation it's some other donation like you know it's it just seemed like super bold to basically be like you know (laughs) like I'm not changing one iota of this uh it's like okay well then you yeah like you say like John um Sonia so was kind of she initiated everything in terms of being in the wrong because she appropriated and then was like uh you know was gaslighty and when poor you know when which is so interesting to me that if you just probably how far an acknowledgement would have gone at the beginning. Like, you're right. I, you know, I saw your kidney story. It inspired this, um, you know, and, and I apologize. I should have maybe made you aware, but I've been kind of busy. And, you know, frankly, like, I, I don't consider us close enough to be sharing unpublished work or whatever, even though mm-hmm. I think she had published at that point. She like, had. Ooh. <laughs> this is acting like she did it. If she was fully honest, though, she'd have to have been like, yeah, it was kind of based off of you and you're like ignorant white ass. Like, mm, yeah. Um, and the, the thing is, too, like the story is about so much more than a kidney donation. Um, but yeah. it all gets. Yeah. And I looked up Celeste's um, quote <laughs> that like the Dawn stands had like upvoted a bunch on Goodreads and it's Dawn oh can God. go fuck her one kidney. Which Ooh. I guess she said at one which I guess she said in Yeah and it was I number one it. on her quote so it came up next to her. Um but now people have upvoted other things so it's not the top one anymore. But wow I forgot I think oh my goodness yeah. Ooh I mean like as you say I would I'm like I a hundred percent with a hundred percent certainty would be mortified if group texts that I'm a part of like became public at any point. I don't I don't know what would be involved, but it's like I'm sure there's cattiness like I just you know I mean we're all human beings and we are not you know sh- shouldn't be judged by our, our worst group text, hopefully, but like it is not a pretty, doesn't paint a pretty picture and it's not very flattering of like a right, an artist community. And when we're talking about integrity and creativity and inclusivity, it's sort of just the whole thing is, is tough. And then at the heart of it is like a kidney donation, which saved someone's life. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my God. I mean, <laughs> Don, like, how insufferable did you have to be to get people to be like, 
want to turn this act into this fucking years long petty ass fucking battle. Um, you aren't immediately like the protagonist of this story is speaks to like how mm, you are like <laughs> yeah like no no winners no <laughs> no winners here um yeah no oh my god no no, no. well if oh, god. like yeah i'm it's, I think, um, Zakia, when she was talking, when we were talking to her, um, about her book, The Other Black Girl, she was like, she, she sort of casually mentioned like being on Twitter. And, and I think that was right as the, uh, the other, the bad art friend was sort of like just like wildfire ripping through Twitter. And <laughs> she was like, I can't get enough of it. It, this does seem to be one of those stories where anytime there's something new that someone writes about it, I am just like, curious what their take is even though it's like have we haven't we exhausted this topic no kind of like the fire festival layers yeah there's just stuff that keeps yeah but if you have any interest you know let us know what your thoughts are of um the bad art friend uh because some people are like it's clear that someone some people think that sonia is like totally in the right which is interesting to me Uh, yeah i mean i before before I stepped back and thought through all of the actions that they both took, I was more leaning toward not Team Sonia because I never felt like they were both great. Mm-hmm. But I was like instinctually more defensive of Sonia for some reason, even mm-hmm. though I felt bad for Dawn throughout. <laughs> and then when I was like thinking about it for for this um before and then I went down the Twitter rabbit hole after that but I tried to form like my own my own thoughts first <laughs> difficult sometimes uh, <laughs> yeah it's like the more I thought it through the more I was like okay yeah Sonia fucked up in this way that way this way that way I mean the gaslighting was evident from the beginning um mm-hmm. but it is interesting and you know we're like it's like a Rorschach test to see who like who you side with more mm-hmm. um which is interesting because like I would have like if it's who you relate to more it's like I think we've all had the the dawn feeling of being like of not fitting in in some group or feeling like people Mm -hmm. are talking about you or you know things like that and so I definitely had empathy for that from the get-go but I think I think I was just like too I just hate when people it's better for people to do good things for other people regardless of their intent but I just mm-hmm. get so irritated with like people acting like they're like altruistic when yeah. I feel like they have other motives. It just really gets my goat. So I think that like kind of turned me against mm-hmm. Dawn in a, in a biased way from the get-go. Mm-hmm. But I think everyone listening to or reading the story will have their own um, experiences and things that kind of form their opinions. Then you have to step back and look at it logically and be like, all right, Okay, they both suck. <laughs> or at least in this instance, I'm sure in their in their lives, they're both. I don't think either of them is a bad person, right? And it's it sucks that this is like what they're known for right now. But uh, it's 2021, and I guess you, you know, shit gets on blast, and uh, here we are. Yes, yes. Uh, Steve Almond, who I used to love from um, Dear Sugar 
was like writing about it and I of course can't find it in all the tabs that I have open um oh here it is but he said like you know we are all the bad art friend and he essentially said like it's sad that these two women got into such an intractable dispute and that this dispute has become a public scandal in addition to a private uh source of anguish um and he said it's just you know he just feels his central emotion is sadness and like that uh, a lot of writers and like a lot of people are both of these women and in, in depending on where they are in their career in their lives like and if any of us had that type of scrutiny applied to one moment especially one of our worst or our most stressful moments no one would come out looking good and so just it is sad that um, it's become this huge thing and it's fascinating that because I mean there's tons of like hour-long New York Times exposés on things and like what what catches the public imagination is just fascinating that this one randomly, like, you know, like I think the first day I was realizing that this was a thing, I was noticing people posting like bad art friend and kidney stuff. And I was, and, and like writers, writer things. And it took me a few hours to connect the dots that like, Oh, the people who are talking about the kidney stuff are also the bad art community and there's also a writing community and this is all the same story yeah what is this <laughs> what the hell is this uh but uh anyway i mean on top of i i would rather talk about bad art friend for another hour than talk about our next topic <laughs> oh god it'd be thorny it's thorny it's thorny um Dave Chappelle's latest special, The Closer, which we had talked about doing an episode on like weeks ago, um, but you know, in the thick of all the the books and stuff, we didn't. But it turned out to still be relevant because you got like Caitlyn Jenner chiming in like last week, and it's still, um, you know, the ongoing things with Netflix and protests and things. So it's still been, you know, relevant in pop culture. And um, I think that there's a lot, a lot to say about it. Um, and I mean, before watching it myself, um, I, I was like, what am I like? I did not, no party wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. Like normally if I like hop into bed and put Netflix on, like, okay, I'm raring to go. What's what mm-hmm. we got here? Um I didn't want to, you know, because it's like from when I, I thought it was just going to be a painful um, experience just watching him like shit all over trans people for an hour and a half or whatever. And mm-hmm. there was that. Um, <laughs> there certainly was that. And there, everyone is upset for valid reasons. Um, and I'm not, in, I'm not, I feel like it sounds like I'm prepping to defend him. I'm not. Yeah. Um, all of the, the, you know, the lash, the lashback, the, <laughs> whatever the word is, my brain, not so good right now. Um, That's so valid. funny. No, I can't think of it. Backlash. Backlash. The lashback. <laughs> Backlash. Flip them. There we go. We got it. Um, Yeah, is warranted. Like, there's no, I don't think people are being like, cancel culture, PC police. Also, no one's canceling him either. Mm -hmm. Um, Another note. But I I do think that there were 
there, it's like he was he was trying to make certain points and then he drove backwards and off the cliff. Like mm-hmm. there were, he'd get to he'd be it's like he'd be trying to say something that should be sad or that there was depth to, and then he'd go and say something just like outlandishly transphobic or homophobic or misogynist um, or turfy and it was really um, frustrating to see and like some of the things like the jokes or the punchlines like why is that like punch the LGBTQ community right in the AIDS like is mm-hmm. that, that's not even fun you know like there's no there's nothing funny about that mm-hmm. um, like it's not like I'm not just like oh I'm offended it's like I'm also like, I think it's a shitty thing to say. And I'm also just like, where's the funny? What's the joke mm-hmm. here? Um, and like a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and I think one of the, something that he kept circling back to is this idea that this like lack of progress for um, black Americans when it comes to civil rights um, and you know, he said stuff like he was, he's jealous of gay people because of how well that movement's going. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he said at one point, gay people are minorities until they need to be white again. Um, mm-hmm. Referring to when he got into an argument with a white, um, I think it was a white trans person who then called the police. Um, mm-hmm. But there are, I mean, he did mention a story where there were, um, black gay men in it but overall it seemed like he was like creating this divide between black people and queer people and it's like you can be both yeah (laughs) you can be you can be both and I think there are certainly points to be made about how racist we are as a country and how we haven't made nearly enough progress I mean that that we need to make Mm -hmm. um and you know there's you know he's talking about baby. And how when he said <laughs> shitty anti-LGBTQ things, you know, he was quote-unquote canceled. But before that, he had shot and killed a black man in a Walmart. <laughs> and right. Like, he's like, you can shoot and kill a black man, but you better not hurt a gay person's feelings. Um, so it's like he was trying to make points about, about why haven't we moved forward as much as we should have with, with black Americans. But it's... It's hard to make those arguments, though, also when, not those arguments, you should make those arguments, but the argument that we have gone that far, especially with trans people, when you look at a record number of anti-trans legislation, when you look Mm -hmm. at hate crimes against trans individuals, especially trans women of color, Mm -hmm. um, and you you look at all of the physical, emotional, mental, all the attacks on trans people in this country that are raring up, if anything... Um, so it's like, yes, gay marriage is legal and, you know, there, you know, there have been like milestones like that, especially for white gay men. Um, Mm -hmm. there's more representation there, you know, there has been, there has been progress. Um, but I feel like the, when you're creating this us versus them with black Americans and trans Americans, not only are you ignoring black trans Americans, but I think you're ignoring the severity of the discrimination, um, sometimes fatal that trans Americans do face, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
Um, shocking. I agree with all of that. Shocking. <laughs> um, I think that this is a lot more nuanced than I thought when I initially was seeing the discourse on Twitter right mm-hmm. afterward. Um, and I was reading a lot of opinions where people were like, I'm not going to watch that because I don't want to give it the click. I don't want to give it the watch time, the attention, but, but, and yet here's my opinion. And so first off, you do have to watch it. I think if you want to engage with the discourse in a real way, because to watch the special itself is to watch this person who's very smart uh, and historically funny. Although again, like how many laughs did I get in this? Not, not a whole lot of like laughs, Um, but he is a a comedic icon for the lot, you know, however long and very smart. And you're watching this person struggle with his, uh, his, his thoughts on this and struggle with getting so publicly called out by the LGBTQ community, um, who I think he's also, hasn't he called them like alphabet people, you know, like, like, you know, he just has ways of immediately being, you know, he he would call it comedy. Other people would call it like another way to be dismissive. And he, obviously bristled so much at the concept of being of punching down, which is we, you know, we talk about that a lot, especially in the context of comedy. I mean, maybe not you and I, but like the conversation, there's a, a, a lot of the time there's a conversation about punching down the concept that you as, as someone with a whole lot of power and platform are using your platform to, joke about in a way that's not uplifting. You're, you're just joking about a marginalized community or people who don't have as much power or a random person in the crowd. Like you're punching down. You're not, um, you're not elevating the conversation and you're not, um, essentially I think comes down to like treating people fairly. If you're punching down, that's a criticism. Um, and he feels that he is not punching down on the trans community. And there's this just open question of like, is he punching down or not? Um, I think he is um, in this special, specifically when he gets very granular about like, he, he's, he, he goes there, he talks about J.K. Rowling and he talks about like, if she's a turf, so am I, you know? And also like, I, I was kind of like rolling my eyes at his like, identification as a feminist and all of that like it was a little like okay uh like it's like what like you said it's watching a smart person veer off course you know like he's he's working through his thoughts and then he arrives at a conclusion that I found like you said very frustrating um it's been tough broadly it's been difficult as a white woman white woman but no just as a as a as a cis white woman, I, and I think you feel similarly feel very let down by white women, um, in the United States. Like our voting patterns are super frustrating. Um, and we have more of a, there's more of an issue around this idea of turfs and around this idea of who gets to claim the identity of, of being a woman. Um, 
And it's frustrating because it doesn't feel like that necessarily exists for men as much. Um, trans men, it's trans women and um, highest amounts of violence are against trans women of color. But like when we like it already makes me super sad, like uh, the conversation around that beca- because it includes women who like authors who I respect and admire are used to like J.K. Rowling and Margaret Atwood coming out and being like, what we can't use the term woman anymore like as if you're equating like including trans women in the definition of womanhood with like fake news or some sort of reality that is like some sort of denial of biological reality and that is so frustrating and it's such an it's it's a hard thing to have to um be constantly countering and so to watch Dave Chappelle arrive there loud and proud you know mm-hmm. Um, if that's a turf, I'm a turf. I was just like, oof, okay, there's a lot here that I would argue you, you know, I I have always, since I wrote a paper on it in eighth grade, like I do think free speech is important. I I think that a lot of what you're saying is in pet is in poor taste, and it's definitely like I think the language is dangerous and leads and puts trans people at higher risk than everyone else. Um, And I don't really know where to go with that, with those two things. Like, like, okay, sure. You can legally say what you're saying and you can make these, I'm air quoting like jokes. And I suppose I would rather you just get to say that and, not like be arrested for saying it but that also means that everyone in this community and like everyone gets the right to call you out and to boycott you and to say take this off Netflix like this is causing harm um and we're watching this battle play out um and it's a really it's a really tough one there there are parts of the special where where he is like, I just, I think he is wrong. And I think he's being ignorant and dangerous and not on top of like what the science is, you know, kind of like J.K. Rowling. It's like, mm-hmm. why can't you just do a little more research on this? Like, right. Admit <gasps> that you've been wrong. You right. Know? Why can't you, like, in saying that he is a turf, um, it's like, because that the point when he was like, oh, I looked up feminist in the dictionary, it turns out it just means like you believe in equality between men and women. So I guess I'm a feminist. Which like I, I'm like okay. There are some people that need to hear that. As as basic mm-hmm. as that is, <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like okay. But then when he says he's a turf, it's just like, and in the same special, he says he has nothing. You know, he has nothing against. You know, he has no problems with with the trans community. It's like yeah, but turfs like you're by definition you're denying the like validity of their experience, which. Mm-hmm when you apply that to the legal system or the medical system can have fatal impacts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just, you know, words. Um, it right. has like, look at Texas, look at this country, look at all the bills that are going forward. And, uh, you know, a lot of people saying, well, it's because, you know, trans women aren't really women and, and things like that, which again, science, <laughs> science and um, empathy say mm-hmm. <laughs> you're wrong. Um and so it's really, it, it's quite frustrating to see him um, just really doubling down on that and not understanding what he's doing. Um, and, you know, it does, 
it, it doesn't feel great to see. And it's like he'll have moments where like, like, okay. Like when he's talking about the, the bathroom bill and mm-hmm. um, someone in the audience is like cheering for it basically. He's like, no, that's like, it's a mean law. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. <laughs> so, you right. so like you're supporting these laws, but you're also supporting the rhetoric that or you're you're not supporting the laws that are shitty, but you're supporting the rhetoric that creates these laws. Like, do mm-hmm. not see what's going on there. And like one one of the times I did laugh was was when he was quoting someone else um, <laughs> because this wasn't punching down, and it was like it was getting to a point. And he was talking, he was texting his friend Anne, she's a black woman, about the the women's march, and she was like, "I hope those white bitches get tear gassed." Um, because you know it was like speaking to sort of the because he had been talking about how the me too movement which i also think some of the things they're saying about that i was like "Mm." yeah he was talking about how it like centered white women and how feminism has centered white women you know talking about sojourner truth and and all that stuff and there's there's a lot to say there and a lot um a valid shit to say there and that was another place where it's like you have a lot of good points but Mm -hmm then you like will veer off um like why do you need to keep calling women bitches you know like he would like make these like self-aware jokes but like why do you think i hate women like okay bitches like you know it's like so why are you why why do you keep doing it why do you need to double down um like and him agreeing with like yeah like gender is a fact Mm-hmm. Being like the gender you're born, like the well, the gender you're born, the sex that you're assigned at birth, um, and it's just and it puts like the audience. It's like if you don't react with like resounding applause, then oh, you can't take a joke, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and it, it's like there's no way for him to like almost like approve of you as an audience unless you're agreeing it's like you're wrong if you're not agreeing with him and you're part of the problem and he was talking about how he um that gay people today are too sensitive like he said i respect the shit out of gay people but not that fond of the newer gays too sensitive too brittle miss stonewall they didn't take shit from anybody they fought for their freedom and it's like but don't you see that people today are still fighting Mm -hmm. it's just you don't see what they're fighting for as valid mm-hmm. um because i don't know maybe because you're not you're not getting with the times right you know? like you you saw it as valid back then but now because you don't understand it and you're not trying to understand it it's not it's not valid and they're being too sensitive you know it's like why do you get to decide what is or is not valid it's not harming you um it's just like ugh, I just want him to like try to understand. Um, and he spoke about Daphne Dorman, a friend of his, yep. um, the trans comic who he became close with, who um, defended him as you know saying he's not he doesn't hate trans people, um, mm-hmm. which I don't think he hates trans people either. Right. I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do think that he is using his platform in a way that can stoke that mm-hmm. um i don't think in his heart he like hates um you know women or trans people or gay people but i think regardless of intent look at what you're doing 
Mm-hmm. Um, and in not trying harder to understand these, the things that you don't understand, you're doing a lot of damage. Um, so anywho, so he talked a lot about Daphne Dorman and, um, you know, she was a big supporter of him and it just kind of felt like the, like, I have a black friend, so I can't yep. be racist. Like it really right. felt hard. Um, yep. and you could tell he genuinely loved her and he cared about her and she stood up for him on Twitter and a few days and she got dragged people came for her and a few Mm -hmm. days later she committed suicide um and you know he says like i'm not i don't know what else is going on in her life i'm not saying that that the dragging caused it but it couldn't have helped and i do think that there is a point there i think Mm -hmm. you know the the ways in which we can just we i guess being social justice warriors (laughs) can be like can come for people in you know not in terms of having like I think it's important to have conversations and discussions and make points, but you know, people can get really vicious and it's like, what are you really fighting for right now? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I can understand people disagreeing with her when she was, you know, speaking about that, but there's no, the, the, the cruelty that people have, you know, (laughs) behind, behind their Twitter avatars or whatever. Uh, like there is a point to that too it's like you say you're doing all this for for good Mm -hmm. right but then how are you getting that point across and is that the right way to do it so I don't know there were a few like he had a few like there were moments where I was like you're almost up nope and then you're gonna go back in the other direction and say something hateful and awful Um, yes just and a lot of really like not funny jokes where he was like mocked like a a trans woman because you know her jawline or whatever like Oh yeah. Just like is this what are you doing? Why? You know, like they're not funny. So right. what do you what it's like he he was just so afraid of like actually making a point, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, isn't that isn't that like almost a funny irony of the whole thing? Like he was just darting around um mm-hmm. and it was inconsistent. Like the special was inconsistent. Um I think people who can who call it transphobic were are you know they're not wrong um but nope. <laughs> like but it's also like he's working through his thoughts and there's a lot there and there are really interesting points in the intersection of of race and the lgbt community and and the comedy community weirdly like he seems to be very he says that he doesn't want to break people up into he's using the word tribes but like you know she she's my tribe she's whatever because we're com- we're comedians it's like Oh man, I mean, if we could just—you're smart enough to get to, to to have a conversation that's more at the intersection of these uh, of these communities and what needs to change. Um, mm-hmm. I thought like Dan Savage made a really interesting point where he was like, it was kind of poignant. He was like, you know, when you talk about like the gay community and the civil rights community um, and how like okay, we have marriage equality, but like the way that we as a community made progress was because we are evenly distributed throughout the population and slowly people came out to their families, to their friends, their coworkers, their companies, and, and people got on board and people, people's people progressed and are okay with it and understand because they love, they know someone, they love someone. And gradually that, that, that turned into a movement that was, that has gotten us to where we are now. And that sort of translates to exactly what Dave Chappelle was fucking saying about 
Daphne as a, as someone who he actually knew and and cared for and and related to and understood and had good conversations with like so unfortunately I think what he needs more of is more friends in the trans community he needs more conversations like I think the anecdote or the antidote to this is more engagement and unfortunately what it engenders and the nature of Twitter and and pulling quotes out of his special and not really you know people will say well then fuck that I don't want to watch it it's like that's too bad because he needs to talk to you you should talk to you don't I'm not going to tell you you should talk to him but he needs he needs like anyone who has the patience to sit down with him you know it could really benefit him and it and it might translate into his next special, which maybe would include less transphobia. And maybe it'll be more of like, cause he's in such a defensive posture in this special. It's like, I loved uh, a long time ago when Brene Brown was like, she was talking about race um, issues in the wake of George Floyd. And she was like, I want to get it right, not be right. You know? And, and I wish that, that Chappelle could have a little of that um, mindset when he talks about this, like, it's okay that you weren't right. It's okay that you actually, you're kind of wrong. You can go ahead and do a little more research, just like you push your audiences to do about um, violence in the black community. Um, he will. He he is incredibly smart. He has a great grasp of history and of. Um, there's just so much, the potential there for this to be, like you said, like a like a really interesting special. Um, yeah. There was also. Um, uh, Dan Savage also he was when he was talking he reminded his audience um, I think this was or this was on the Savage Love cast a couple of weeks ago that Eddie Murphy was deeply deeply homophobic um, and had a special on HBO in 1983 called Delirious which won um, a Grammy um, and it's on Netflix right now and it has incredibly vile he played he played like one bit of it but if <laughs> it's vile. It's so homophobic. It's like, it's really beyond cringe. It's, and it's something where, you know, Dan Savage said the jokes made him feel unsafe and less safe than he already was as a teenager in Chicago at that time. You just know that the audience laughing is laughing because it's like, you know, you don't feel safe in that laughter. And I think that's, that's something that the people in the trans community were saying, like hearing people, laugh, the people that did actually watch the special said like hearing that laughter made me feel it like validated that I, I don't feel safe. I shouldn't feel safe. If like that joke is going to get that type of a laugh amongst like a crowd that's theoretically generally progressive. Um, and that's like a fair fucking point. Like uh, I um, watching some watching Chappelle, I was trying to put myself as much as possible in the shoes of someone who would be, you know, in the trans community, just trying to think of like, if this joke was told and I was a part of this community, how would I feel? And there were a few moments where I was just like, I would be devastated. I would be devastated. The laughter would be daggers. It would just be like, I mean, I, <laughs> this is not the same thing at all. And I'm only bringing it up because it's like, sometimes when a comedian makes a joke and it like, you feel personally slapped in the face, it's just like, the worst thing. I mean, I was at a show. Um, oh my gosh. What's that guy? What's that guy from 30 rock? Um, Terry, uh, or not Terry, Tracy, Tracy, Tracy Morgan. Yeah. So Tracy Morgan did a show actually like on Cape Cod weirdly. And I was going cause someone had extra tickets and this was 
the first time in 2016, I got a cold sore and I was just like so embarrassed by this cold sore. And it was just like the end of the world. I was just like mortified and went. And I also like didn't actually know what it was yet because I was like, I don't have a cold sore. Like I haven't even hooked up with anyone recently, like kind of thought that that was that they equated and they they spoiler like they don't um not necessarily like anyway um i was in the audience with like a huge cold sore um and tracy morgan like made a joke about like oh like i'm not going to like hook up with just like any sort of slutty groupie and what get like a cold sore have a bunch of cold sores and it was just like <laughs> it was just one of those moments where and then everyone laughed like ew cold sores <laughs> it was like oh, fuck. And I'm like here feeling like already feeling so embarrassed and um, like self-conscious and and feeling like, oh, projecting that I feel kind of like, oh, I'm I like kind of like dirty and like kind of slutty because I have a cold sore. It's just like and anyway. It, and so I just to extrapolate that and 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 bring it all the way out to like something as big as your whole gender identity <laughs> like is I mean I can't imagine just it must just be like a really you can't tell people how to feel about that and if they feel extra unsafe extra not heard um that's that is a hundred percent understandable and it's really unfortunate that that's the way that he kind of took this special absolutely yeah he was just yeah there was definitely <laughs> It's like he made jokes about him being transphobic, but meaning like, I'm not really transphobic. Like there was a lot of transphobic shit in, in that special. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And I wish, I just feel like, I wish he would, it feels like he's not currently receptive to hearing like people's not only opinions, but like the realities of, of the world now, you know, it's like, he, the reason he and Daphne Dorman were friends um, was because Daphne was a fan of his mm-hmm. and she laughed at his jokes, um, laughed at his trans jokes. And so he felt this like camaraderie with her, but it's like every trans person he brings up in the story, he doesn't agree with him or his jokes. They're like the bad guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when there were the, um, he, after the special, he, put out this and he was on Instagram a video where he was addressing the transgender community um saying that he's more than willing to give them an audience like I'll talk to you about this but you will not summon me I'm not bending to anyone's demands and he said that his three conditions for any meeting uh, are that they have to watch the closer in its entirety he would choose a time and place and you have to admit that Hannah Gadsby is not funny and it's what, just and like the fuck was that I'm so glad you brought that up yeah and so it's just like it's frustrating because it's like you, you could if you had any interest at this point in actually understanding the shit that you're talking about and like half understanding and then fully not understanding mm-hmm. like why like I get that you're a comedian but you don't have to make everything a joke Mm-hmm. And that response, like, I do, I understand, like, okay, if you want to talk to me about the closer, watch the closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like adding a bit about Hannah Gatsby's just like, haha, you know, okay. why can't you have a real conversation with somebody who disagrees with you? Right. You know, it's like, you can have, you can have a close, close friendship with a member of the trans community who says that you're her idol, you know, right. but you can't 
have, you can't give like a heartfelt, you could tell he cared deeply about her, but mm-hmm. you can't give like a heartfelt response to people who are like, I want to meet with you and discuss this and discuss the impact and why, why what you're doing and saying is fucked up. You mm-hmm. know, then he makes a joke of it. It's like, why are you, he is so afraid. It feels like he's so afraid to be wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's so just it's so disappointing because it's like you feel like you could you could get there if you just fucking calm the fuck down and just listened. <laughs> Take just a really breath. listened. Like he's so so defensive. Um because it's like he had I, I don't know how long he took to prepare for this special, but I imagine he spent a lot of time on it. Mm-hmm. And in all that time, this is what he came out with, and this is what he was like, yep. <laughs> like with all the resources at his disposal if he really why didn't he try to have these one why didn't he have these conversations before Mm -hmm. you know why didn't he really interrogate his own beliefs Mm -hmm. if that's what he's purporting to do Mm -hmm. um and two why now is he not doing it you know it's like this special shouldn't have come out the way that it came out because Mm -hmm. he it's no like no no, Dave. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's wildly disappointing. He could have done so much better. Um, he has nothing but opportunity and resources to confront these ideas that he has. And he's just doubling, tripling down on, like, he's, like, dangerous old fucking ideas. Um, and yeah. he get, you know, and it's like, he's like, oh, I, yeah, I understand that, like, trans people need to have rights but now i'm gonna say this awful thing you know it's just like no 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 no. like converse with these people and understand why you know the queer community today isn't too sensitive you just aren't understanding what they're fighting for and why and you're not going to if you don't actually engage with people who disagree with you um so please dave (laughs) because the thing is if he did yeah like if he did come out and like if he had real conversations and did real research, which he should have been a long time ago, and he came right. out and like really expressed what he had learned and what how his like mindset had changed, that could have a genuinely positive impact on a lot of people who are who are fans of his. Um, mm-hmm. Like it really, it really could, you know, just like this special could have negative impacts. Like he could have positive impacts if he did a little one eighty action. Um, and why not? Why won't you? What are you afraid of, Dave? <laughs> I know. I know. You just know that some of the things that he says, like, some people will use as little, like, buzzword excuses. Well, like, Dave Chappelle so that in this special, like, stop punching at me, you know? And it's kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, great. Like, and it was such a weird sh- shot he took at Hannah Gadsby because, first of all, like, she didn't even say anything about you. Like, she hasn't even entered this conversation i mean i think i know what her opinion is um if she's even deigned to like watch it or read anything about it like but (laughs) weirdly it was like you should be honored that anyone's like talking about you in the same conversation like you're special in a similar vein as hannah gadsby's which is that Mm -hmm. question of like is this comedy special funny like am i laughing or am i learning um you know is it sort of a are we getting some sort of uh lesson here um and some 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 sort of incisive commentary um 
I would say anyone, any conversation that is like comparing in any sort of like, you guys are equal with, or that these specials are equal, a Hannah Gadsby and a Dave Chappelle in this. Um, I mean, he, he wouldn't, but he should see it as, as um, actually an, an honor, <laughs> a compliment that yeah. like, that would be in the conversation at all. Instead, he just like randomly insults her for no reason, which is so off-putting. Yeah. The only, the only way she like, so Ted Sarandos, like Netflix guy, brought her name into it when he was like, we have all kinds of inclusive programming, like in def- defense of having Chappelle. He's like, we have Hannah Gatsby. And she put out something like, please don't drag my name into this. Um, right, right. She did say, she said, basically, leave me the fuck out. Yeah, she's like, leave me the fuck out. And then he drags her back into it. And she said, now I have to deal with even more of the hate and anger that Dave Chappelle's fans like to unleash on me every time Dave gets $20 million to process his emotionally stunted partial worldview. <laughs> um, I don't think I saw that. <laughs> she, yeah, she posted that on Instagram. Um, but that's, hilarious. that's, but that's, you know, it was just like, leave me out of this. I don't want to get dragged into this because Dave Chappelle fans are not nice to me. So just like, wait, so leave me out of it. Yeah. And also it's like, yes, I watched the whole thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, I think, how did Hannah say it? Emotionally stunted partial worldview. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That kind of does sum it up. (laughs) She nailed it. She nailed it. Oh, that's so funny. Okay. I thought she just said like, leave me out of it from Ted, after the Ted Sarandos thing. But yes, if, then she, of course, like she has, she has a totally complete, um, you know, she has an understanding and she like of, of exactly what, I mean, she nailed it. She did the Hannah Gadsby thing and like is totally um, on point with that commentary. And also in the, in the Dave Chappelle having demand or like being like, I will not be summoned. It's like, yeah, but in the same sentence, you are creating demands yourself and like weirdly seeming like you're summoning, you know, Mm -hmm. you're summoning, you're creating demands. And like, you know, I think it's fair to be like, I'll talk to people who have fully watched the special. That seems perfectly reasonable. Um, but the other, the other things it's like, uh, why don't you just, I mean, maybe just go back to being a little bit in the background and, you know, he took what, like a eight or nine year break from, being in the public eye and like he just lived his life in Ohio like yeah without where are you? just go do some of that just think do some do be yeah, a little where, where was your soul searching in those years you <laughs> <know>? <laughs> yeah um so you know I mean I think that I guess the last like thing to that I think that is I do believe that these kind of conversations ultimately, ultimately in like the arc of, of conversations and conversations about LGBTQ rights and this, and the trans trans rights and um, like where we are as a country, I think this is a flashpoint, which will hopefully move things forward for the trans community because it, it, it caused the their community and and everyone who supports them to sort of it forces people to sort of really think about what what they believe what their thoughts are um and and i guess i mean not to trot out like a 
you know, the, the word that the word of the year or the word of the last couple of years, but really think about like, what does it mean to be an ally and like, how far are you willing to go in your allyship of this um, marginalized community that really needs your, your, your help, your support and your uh, maybe non laughter at this specific Chappelle special. Do better, Dave. God. <sighs> Do better or be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, we're at, let's see. Uh, we're at an hour and 11 minutes, so maybe we should. <laughs> You know, I have a feeling that the mansion and cinema issue is not going to be going away. Or I don't think it will go away. We think that they're both being little fuckheads, and we'll get into it more next week. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're just really uh, big old thorns in in the paw of the country. Um, Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that they step on all the Legos. Oh, step on all the Legos and just fucking grow a spine or conscious or both and be better. Um, you little fucking shits but we'll get into that we'll dive in we'll dive in uh, to be continued (laughs) and now for we see you (sighs) Kyle Myers this fucking guy Um, so I live in a school we all live in school districts I suppose (laughs) Um, the one I live in the Tahoma school district um, I'm not normally super aware of school board races when it's time to vote, I look at, um, you know, what the stranger tells me to do. And I look at the voter pamphlets and I look at their little bios and I figure out. But this, I've been seeing Kyle Myers billboards. At, I don't know how much fucking money this campaign has, mm. but they're everywhere. They're all over where I live and the neighboring cities. Um and I've hated him since I saw his first little, he's got yard signs. He's got fucking literal billboards. Mm. He's just, which is not like where I live. There aren't like, Kansas aren't spending money on billboards. I don't know where he's getting <laughs> his money. Um, <laughs> but wow. he's, yeah, it's like on his sign, it's <clears throat> um, uh, no CRT in schools, critical race theory. Um, mask choice, not mandate. And like curriculum transparency, so mm. it's all basically like I'm a stupid piece of shit yeah. <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, and then there's Haley Pendergraft running against him, who's um, just she's all about like love and kids and <laughs> taking care of all the kids and great. Um, I That's nice. Find- <laughs> I know, right? I live in a fifty-fifty ass fucking city. Um, mm. And I don't, when I checked this morning, it looked it looked like she had a, a good chance of defeating Kyle Myers. Oh, um, but he is just, I feel like he is, it's not just about Kyle Myers. If he is, a, I, and I was thinking last month, I was just, I didn't have a day. But I was like, what I want to do <laughs> is make a bunch of signs explaining what critical race theory actually is in class mm-hmm. during them, next to them or over them. And just mm-hmm. like these people using CRT as the boogeyman, it's so stupid. And I've ne- I haven't seen a single person who is anti critical race theory who knows what it is. Like mm-hmm. there okay, are interviews, yeah. Th- there are so many gotcha moment interviews where these generally old white men are complaining about it, and then the person's like, "What is it?" And it's like, "Well, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly, but what I do know, I don't like about it," you know. 
what do you know? What do you know? Um, so for those who don't know, <laughs> race theory is basically, it's been around for a long time. Um, it's come into <laughs> Republican campaigns as mm-hmm. being something to be against recently. Um, but it's basically the premise that racial bias, whether or not it's intentional, is baked into United States laws and institutions, um, mm-hmm. which is just, you can't actual, it's completely factual. <laughs> There's so many examples of it. It's so it's completely factual. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the 1930s, when government officials drew lines around areas that they deemed poor financial risks, which were usually explicitly due to the racial composition mm-hmm. of those areas, and then banks wouldn't offer mortgages to black people in those areas. Um, you know, housing segregation, the impacts of criminal justice policy in the 1990s, obviously the legacy of enslavement, um, the war on drugs and the disproportionate sentencing, um, and a million other fucking, uh, examples, but these are all mm-hmm. factual things that mm-hmm. have long lasting implications. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing in this course that says your white child is awful. Um, yeah. They may be, but, <laughs> but it's not it's a part not, of a curriculum. It's not a part of the curriculum. It's just teaching um, history accurately, which this country has a real hard time doing yeah. by and large. Um, and so to see, it's like you're running for a school position, mm-hmm. running against facts, and it pisses me off, Kyle Myers. Like, who do you yeah. think you fucking are, Kyle Myers? Um, and then the the no uh, the mask choice not mandate. It's just like you don't understand mm-hmm. anything, you stupid man. Like we need to keep kids safe mm-hmm. in schools, and there are all kinds of people love to make the seatbelt comparison. I'll do it again. Mm. You have to wear seatbelts. Um, your children need to wear seatbelts because it keeps them safe. Also. People, if you're both wearing masks, it's safer than if just one of you is. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't. And then curriculum transparency. Sure, that is fine. There's, mm-hmm. I have not. That's cool. Yes, yeah. fine, fine, Kyle. Yeah, but it's all coded and it's gross. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. it's representative of so many disgusting candidates in this country. And now that I live somewhere that has this like fifty-fifty blue red split, yeah. Um, I get to, to see it in a different way. And if he is elected, I swear, <laughs> I whatever meetings I can go to, yeah, I'm going to become Kyle Myers' <laughs> biggest fucking problem. I'm not even, you know, I'll be a parent, not of a school-aged child, but I am going to fucking, I will not let him, uh-uh, I'm going to, I'm going to come to those meetings and I'm going to yell at Kyle Myers. I'm going to ask him some really well thought out questions. Um, so I promise. I promise. I will. I've been getting so mad. I drive yeah. anytime I go anywhere. I see his stupid fucking signs. Yeah, Mm-mm. you do have no place in education. No, no. you anyway. tell him. You tell I, him. I will. Um, so, anywho, I hope that he doesn't win. But if he does, Ugh. I am now on the record. Yeah, <laughs> saying okay. I will hand Fair. his ass to him on the regular, and hopefully educate him. Yeah. Um, and change some hearts and minds. I'd probably get called a dumb bitch by <laughs> multiple old white men um, oh, each time man. I do so. But uh, yeah. 
we see you, Kyle Myers, and all of all the men and women like you. Um, yeah. The pops uh, on you. Yeah, we see you. We see you. We all worked up. God, I've just had so much time to stew over that man. Yeah, no, well, that's what this is for. That's what the, the space <laughs> what is for. for. It's a safe space to yell at Kyle Myers. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. However many times we need to yell at Kyle Meyer, Tucker Carlson, Kirsten Cinema, you know, the space is always open for that. Um, my We See You, uh, so I noticed yesterday, of course, like there just seemed to be, I mean, maybe it's because there's that climate crisis uh summit i mean there's there's the climate crisis but there's that (laughs) that old thing that old thing um but there was the summit or is it's it's happening it's it but it's seemingly the vibes i'm getting from only paying a little teensy bit of attention because it's too much for me um seems like it's just not a super optimistic like meeting and there's not a whole lot of like i think everyone's just kind of pissed off and like china and russia didn't even attend and it's just like overall doesn't seem like it's going to be that productive. Also, the U.S. is, you know, Biden's like, oh, I can't even get the climate agenda in the U.S. passed. So, like, I'm sorry we pulled out of the Paris Climate Treaty. Anyway, there's all this climate stuff that's pretty upsetting happening. And then ProPublica actually just came out with a an, um, a huge report um, on, it's called uh, Poison in the Air, where they're talking about how the EPA, that's a huge report on how the EPA allows polluters to turn neighborhoods into, quote, sacrifice zones where residents breathe carcinogens. Um, So they have mapped out all of these, like the highest cancer-causing areas um, with the the places in the United States with the most toxic air. And there's a ton of um, analysis around that, like like Charles, Louisiana. And there's an area um, in, there's actually, I think, what, 20% of the areas that are, um, has the the most cancer causing industrial air pollution um, are in Texas. Um, there's an area in Delaware um, where a manufacturing facility blanketed a daycare playground with ethylene oxide, which is a highly toxic toxic chemical that can lead to lymphoma and breast cancer. Um, and so all of these different pollutants are in the air, and and the article goes back and kind of traces. Uh, why um, the EPA hasn't really changed the their they haven't really been monitoring air pollution in the way that they should be. Um, the ProPublica found that 74 million Americans, more than a fifth of the population, are being exposed to um, levels of a risk higher than than um, the EPA has said is acceptable, um, like cancer risks and um, toxic pollutants, um, and the EPA already set the upper limit of the acceptable excess cancer risks at like one in a thousand, ten thousand. Um, and anyway, so, and they haven't really been adjusting any of these numbers, uh, even though there's a lot of data that shows that there's the, the people in these communities uh, near all these different facilities that emit cancer causing chemicals um, are shockingly getting uh, cancer and diabetes at higher risks and uh, other um, other ailments that affect, you know, morbidity and mortality um, in the country. Um, also, it's probably not not shocking to um, to anyone that the polluted air disproportionately affects people of color. 
Um, all in all, um, ProPublica identified more than a thousand hotspots of cancer-causing air not equally distributed across the country. A quarter of the 20 hotspots with the highest levels of excess risk are in Texas, and almost all of them are in southern states known for having weaker environmental regulations. Census tracts where the majority of the residents are people of color experience about 40% more cancer-causing industrial air pollution on average than tracts where residents are mostly white. And in predominantly Black census tracts, the estimated cancer risk from toxic air pollution is more than double that of majority white tracts. So um, this is a really long report from ProPublica, lots of work, data analysis, mapping, um, and they're using the data from the EPA's website. Um, I just wanted to call it out because it's um, super distressing and uh, seems like the logical uh, conclusion of coming off of four years of Trump, where he uh, he and his administration rolled back over 100 regulations that the EPA had um, put in place for, I think, just this reason. And when people say that they want business-friendly um, laws, uh, a lot of the time, I think it just means like lax regulations that are like pumping cancer-causing toxic chemicals into the air um, and in areas where people uh, will on average, uh, people with less power, less voting power, less, uh, just less attention, um, more marginalized communities are bearing the brunt of that. And I just like really sad and scary. And it's not just, you know, yeah, it's, it's, I'll just leave it at, it's sad and scary. And we see you to the EPA who should be fucking, you know, dealing with this. (laughs) If not the EPA, then who? Who? All right, we see you. Um, <laughs> moving over to Iowa, the Waukee School District got in school mm. problems, um, and apparently they're because of low lower voter turnout. They're more like fringe psycho, um, beyond right leaning people getting elected to these positions. Anywho, mm. so the Waukee School District removed three queer books for teens from the library system last month. Um, they were taken out of the library after a community member, not a parent, <laughs> read some um, scenes from the books at a meeting of the school district that were, you know, <laughs> my cat's upset about that too. <laughs> yes, I hear you, Knox. But read some scenes from the book that were, you know, like queer teen love scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then they were like, yeah, we should get rid of these. So that would be enough for a WCU, but <laughs> um, school board candidate Vin Taker, or Thacker, unclear, um, posted <laughs> about this on Facebook and wants there to be a call for every child and teen who checked out one of these books, wants all the names released. Oh my gosh. The kids who checked out oh these my books. And he wants to subpoena these children's library records because he wants to notify their parents and make whoever ordered these titles defend their choices. Um, Um, What could go wrong with creating (laughs) a public registry of the names of kids and teens who have checked out queer, um, queer themed books? Yeah, uh, and notifying their parents and um, yeah. getting well, to the bottom of it. Can so of worms, <laughs> can of worms that could be 
I mean, I, there are a million ways in which that could go wrong. What, yeah. whether or not the kid's queer, straight kids can, can read those books too. The, what if the parent is homophobic? Um, right. And if they're in a district that is, has these kinds of people in it and votes to get rid of these kinds of books, there's a, a chance of that. Um, so cancel then, culture. Cancel culture. <laughs> so then the kids are at risk. Um, mm-hmm. And then if this list was made public, the kids right. are at risk of everyone in the fucking community. And um, is nothing is nothing sacred? Can't we just read whatever fucking book we want to read? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 sad. Like you, as a, a queer kid or a queer teen, like having the escape of a book or having that to to feel seen or to feel heard by this character that mirrors you Mm -hmm. um, is really important. And to have that, like, not criminalized, but essentially by these fucking people is, it's disgusting. Um, Mm. And further proof, Dave Chappelle, that there is, we have not reached a point where uh, it's totally safe and great to be queer all the time everywhere. There's a lot of, there, this country is big. Right. Um, Any So we see you to the district and particularly to Vin. Um, it's really, I mean, disgusting and cruel. And God, some people, man, but fucking, we see you. People, we see you. Oh my gosh. Um, this we see you. It's so funny since we haven't done we see you in a while. This one's from like early October, but I was like, copy paste. This is annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Need to circle back to that. I'm always like, I'm just, you know, so we see you to Matthew McConaughey, who's out here giving interviews about potentially maybe, ooh, running for governor of Texas. McConaughey. (laughs) You know, like I... I'm very skeptical of this because I really, and what I really don't like, I mean, I'm fine if he is actually someone who like is super into policy and politics and has, has like a stance, but he is all out here being Aaron Burr. He is like not committing to anything. He won't really come out for like being pro-choice really in an explicit way. He won't really, he seemed super confused when Kara Swisher was asking him, um, in an interview about voting rights in Texas, <laughs> like, and he was kind of like, I don't really know enough about that. It's just like, not <laughs> the interview was so maddening. And like, even when he supported Joe Biden last year, he came out and was like, I usually don't talk politics, but Joe Biden's better than Trump as if, and he want. it almost felt like he wanted everyone to be like, yay. Um, when in fact, it's sort of like when you come out in that sort of a tepid, like moderate manner, which also I think The Rock did too. There are certain celebrities who were like, I don't usually do this, like stain myself with having an opinion that's real. Um, but you know, I suppose vote for Biden. Um, anyway, it just, I don't think it portends good things. Um, it is, uh, I, I don't want a candidate in Texas for governor who is like, doesn't have a strong stance. You know, I think Texas is getting to a place where at some point in the future, they are going to like, Texas will get a a democratic governor. Uh, It'll get a democratic Senator. It will happen at some point, not as soon as we hope, but I don't want that Democrat to be 
someone who doesn't have real stances and is just like hedging to see which way the wind blows and to try to get, um, you know, like to try to, why does he want to be governor if he doesn't have like real opinions on policy and doesn't understand what's going on with voting rights there? It's like one of the most popular, like that and, you know, the abortion fight in Texas is like national news and has been for the last like few months. So um, I'm pretty skeptical of his motivations. And um, so we see you to Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> we see, because the thing is like, he if he played his cards right, mm-hmm. he he could, de- I mean, he could fucking definitely get elected. And mm-hmm. I get if he's, it would be one thing if he had some like plan where he's actually gonna be the most progressive fucking guy ever. Yeah. But I don't think that's what's happening. I think he just genuinely is like, I could do that. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know voting rights. I'm not sure. Matthew, right. do better. You know, it's, yeah. we all want to like you and we all want to root for you. Well, not all of us right. have too. <laughs> problems with McConaughey. I think she's gonna oh, get over it. Desperately um, wondering who. Christine. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. I think she's moved on a little bit, but she used to really, really detest him. Um, That's funny. And if this is been if this is the caliber of his character, then I, frankly. Then she's right. Been right all why have I been defending him all these years? <laughs> um, anyway, do better, Matthew. Yeah. Uh, yes. Casually waltz. And it's just like a kind of. Can like celebrities just stop like casually waltzing into political positions? Right. Um. Anywho, moving on to Joe Rogan, oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> which we could do. We could each do three we see use for Joe Rogan every single week. Right. He is such a little pissant. I can't. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Um. This time it's when he was coming for Pete Buttigieg for taking paternity leave, mm. um, and then others followed suit in this. Yeah. As they do with him, as behind him, (laughs) he's fucking hell on earth. Um, but he's being canceled, haven't you heard? Mm. Mm -hmm. Interesting because I'm pretty sure the same old dickheads are still listening to him. Yeah, um, he's lost any fans, don't think he has. Think they're stronger than ever, yeah. Um, but he had a problem with Pete taking maternity leave because it's not for women. Um, no, maternity leave is for women, paternity leave is for men. But, uh, anywho, Pete and Chastin adopted newborn babies. Um, V cute, V congrats, great. Mm -hmm. Um, and this idea, I mean, it's interesting because I've never heard Joe Rogan, who apparently has three kids, (laughs) not ugh to his children, but ugh for his children. Right. Um, Right. it's i don't think i mean i don't i'm not a listener so maybe he does have like a staunch support of maternity leave and guaranteed maternity leave in the united states but i don't mm, haven't heard I, about it i'm gonna go off on a limb <laughs> on a ledge <laughs> and say he's not been advocating for that <laughs> um so the idea that he's like oh well it's for women i don't think you care about the issue i think you yeah. think it's for sure not for men though mm-hmm. um interesting and and the thing about yeah maternity leave is super important um partially because women uh who give birth need to heal because your body crazy shit happens there um all kinds of shit happen and things that people don't even realize like the way that your hormones change you'll have just like on and off chills for weeks potentially um almost everyone has wild mood issues for the first two weeks it's not you don't even diagnose postpartum mood disorders for a few weeks because everyone's fucked 
for the first few weeks. Um, and not to mention <laughs> your perineum and what goes on. Uh, anyway, I'm digressing. <laughs> As I look ahead. <laughs> I digress. But so yes, I do. I think there are certainly reasons that have to do with physical health that women who give birth, um, people that give birth should have paid leave. But newborn care and newborn bonding are also just as important. Um, mm -hmm. So just because Pete and Chasten didn't give birth doesn't mean mm -hmm. that they aren't entitled to paternity leave. Um, because there are all kinds of studies that paternity leave is good for the, the father who's doing it, their partner, and the kid, even long term. Mm -hmm. um, that bonding period is incredibly important. And there are better outcomes for kids whose um, fathers are given paternity leave. And newborns are also a lot of fucking work. Like mm -hmm. they, they'd be wanting, they'd be wanting that sweet, sweet milk every couple hours. Um, mm -hmm. And there are two of them. They have two newborns. <laughs> yeah. Know? It's completely appropriate. And we're the only, um, I hate using developed country because I feel like that's right. kind but of still like, like I don't... the colonialism and the ways in which we kind of like fucked over everyone else. But right. <laughs> Just, if anyone know. listening knows like what the right term I've Googled this and I have not found like, yeah, we've um, talked about this before, but yeah, sorry. To, yeah. No, I, it's, yeah, it's like developed industrialized. No, it's, I want another word. I know. Economically developed. They're all, They're anyway. all they all have that tinge to them. Yeah. But I just don't, I don't like the, the idea that there's like a superiority there, but anyway, of these countries that have these resources, often due to plundering of other countries' resources, we are yeah. the only one that doesn't have maternity leave guaranteed. Most of them also do have paternity leave. Um, so we have these Joe Rogan motherfucking assholes out here who I feel like are the same people who call it babysitting when dads watch their kids, you know? Right. It's, like, it's like that <laughs> genre of human. Yeah. Um, it's it's not helping anyone like what this toxic masculinity what's going to happen if a man watches his child if he takes care of his baby mm -hmm. oh no oh no, oh, no. <laughs> and he's not working while he does it oh my god oh, like yeah. get over yourself i'm yeah. sorry if you're currently married um i'm sorry to your wife i'm sorry to the mother of your children <laughs> what i mean if she chooses Joe Rogan, I feel like maybe you're not the best, but either way. Yeah. The date has been there on him for, you know. Yeah. He's, he's so, ugh, so cringe. Um, yeah. To every, to, to him, of course, Joe Rogan and to everyone that like shits on men for taking paternity leave. We see yeah. you. It's you're, you're you're stupid. What are you trying to prove? You're yeah, that's dumb. That's babies dumb. are for ladies, <laughs> but I don't really want to pay them either. Oh man, gross. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. well, we see you. Heartily endorse that. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, my last one is um to um Oklahoma prosecutors in um. Yeah, in Oklahoma, um, <laughs> where uh, they 
decided to prosecute um, a woman for experiencing a miscarriage at 17 weeks and sentenced her for years in state prison. This is a 20-year-old woman from Oklahoma um, convicted of manslaughter in the first degree. Um, she went to the hospital. Like, What happened was she went to the hospital for help um, and uh, after she had the miscarriage was um, incarcerated and set a bond the court set a bond for twenty thousand dollars which is of course so prohibitive um and she's been incarcerated since her arrest over 18 months ago um so this is super upsetting for a number of reasons but it's also um and i think some of the articles point to well there was like potentially drugs in her system at the time and it's like that doesn't, you just don't know. And the, the medical examiners testified that there's no way to know what caused the miscarriage. And it wasn't like, obviously, as a direct result of any drug use. Um, obviously, that's unfortunate, because it's just, you know, that that's such an easy thing. Um, the jury apparently took like less than three hours to return this verdict of four years in prison for this 20 year old who experienced a miscarriage. You know, it's just it 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 seems like so obviously unjust and punitive um for something so traumatic i mean and uh that's not the way we should be treating women um after miscarriages under any sort under any circumstances um like i don't i don't care if there were drugs i mean i care in the sense that like that's not great um uh, but in terms of legally like I, um we need to be helping helping women and providing more support and like just throwing this woman in jail for four years is like, what exactly is that doing? You know, it's costing taxpayers. It's punishing someone who had a traumatic event. Um, and it's, and, and by the way, putting her in jail while she was awaiting trial for 18 months for this situation. Like we just do not protect women at all. Like the laws aren't in our, our interests. And, um, uh, that's just a huge fucking, we see you. It's disgusting. And, um, you know, we wonder why people like can't get up off their, you know, can't pull, pull themselves up by their bootstraps, as we like to say, as, as free, not us, but like, uh, as is commonly said, you know, what, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's like, oh, really? How do you, how do you do that? If at 20, you're incarcerated after a miscarriage at 17 weeks, um, and then put in jail first, you're in jail for 18 months while you wait for your trial. Cause you can't afford the bond. And then you're put in jail for four years. Um, mm, I hate it. So we see you. We see you and we hate it. Um, good thing. Yeah. One, one of a good, one of a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you might have remembered the summer when, uh, players on the Norwegians women's handball team were fined for wearing shorts instead of bikini bottoms. Did I ever? Uh, yeah. After much, um, I don't know. Finally, female handball players will no longer have to wear bikini bottoms. Yay! Wow. wow. One small. <laughs> it feels like you know it's it's it feels like a small win, but it's a big it's it's part of a bigger picture, you know. Yeah. Right. You right. can wear shorts now, ladies. Right. Yay! Yes. Yay! That's Yay. <laughs> Yay! I mean, sometimes just drawing attention to the issue and, you know, making it happen. 
change does happen. Yay. Yay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the other good thing that I had was that um, the, the run for something, um, the company run for something uh, partnered with Snapchat and um, in October, over like 4,000 people signed up, um, like young people, 30, 28% identify as LGBTQIA, 38% identify as people of color. And these are people who might be potential candidates um, in local and state and federal elections coming up because um, run for something helps train people um, who care about shit to run and to win. And they've had a few, they have had a lot of success at the local level, even though overall the election was really bad for Democrats, like a total shit pie. Um, on the local level, there was more cause for optimism, but shockingly, I haven't been diving into that. So <laughs> shocking. Shocker. Well, yay! That's great. I like. Yeah, that. yeah. That's good. That's good. Thanks. Oh, hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what a r- rollicking uh, time we're back in <laughs> <Good> style. <Lord. laughs> um, if I have to pee, I can't imagine that. <laughs> I have not peed myself, but it's. Yeah. <laughs> well, small wins. Small wins. <laughs> Um, well, Feminist Without Mystique is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Toodles. Bye. <laughs>